So I had a big breakthrough lately, and it was after being on uh, Robin Dreek's podcast. He put some things together for me that taught me this idea that really connected the dots between my obsession with offers and the fact that I don't think I'm a very good salesperson. And Robin kind of like put it all together by saying that the way that I've always approached networking is that I've always focused on the give instead of the ask. And that's what I'm doing with sales these days. Um, So this is one of the pieces of advice I gave at this Relationship Driven Growth Strategy Sessions, which is the the thing that we do right after the show every single Monday. And uh, we just have great advice um, to give each other. And I'd hope that you would join me at one of them. I don't publish all of them, uh, but I like to publish some of these. So hope that you come join me at this thing. Enjoy. If you know how it is, then you know how it might be. But think what it would look like if you grow your own community. It ain't easy. That's why you're listening to hear experiences from others just like you and me. Welcome to the B2B Community Builder Podcast, a show that was started because if you can unlock the power of having a community around your business, then you will create a source of referrals, validation, marketing content, and product feedback that will be unbeatable. But who has time to think about building a community when you need to be making sure that your team has what it needs to succeed in serving clients and bringing in revenue? That is why we'll be talking to business leaders like you and I that have cracked the code on why the community play is so valuable, how to implement tactics that got them there while still serving short-term goals, and what they can teach you that they have mastered. This show is for you if you are a CEO, CMO, or simply a rainmaker that has realized that without a community, you are just a commodity, but haven't figured out how to add it to your infinite list of priorities. This show is for you if you are a community professional or trying to be a community professional that is trying to convince leadership about the need to invest in a community strategy. This show is not for you if you think transactions are more valuable than relationships. I am your host and chief executive connector, Pablo Gonzalez, co-founder of BeTheStage.Live, a marketing company that specializes in relationship-driven growth. I invented the relationship flywheel and hopefully... I'm your new best friend. So smash that subscribe button, leave a rating when you do, and get ready to plug into the power of community creation for business development. Let's go. All right. Welcome, everybody, to Relationship Driven Growth Strategy Session. If you haven't come to the strategy session before, this is just an AMA. You're welcome to uh, bring forth things that you're working with. We'll give you some advice. Pablo Gonzalez here. As I see the faces in this crowd, most of you know each other, but there's a couple of new folks. Venya has been a, show, a, a, a past guest on the show. She is the, the happy scientist of community. Lee Bishop is the troublemaker here. If you get DM'd by him, he's probably uh, doing something naughty. Robin Dreek is a, he's the FBI spy catcher, as I like to categorize him in, a, an expert in trust and building trust, whose two books have greatly impacted my life. Don is our Oxford PhD MVP of the community. Penny, we introduced earlier as the CFO for content creators. Kira, we've we've introduced earlier as well. Tim, this is the first time I think that folks see your face here on this, unless 
you were part of the CMX Reconnection. Carolyn, we just met recently. So Carolyn uh, launches book funnels for published for self-published authors. It's going to be helping us with a funnel here some, sometime soon. Usually hybrid authors, coaches and speakers who have books to grow their business. Thank you very much. Michelle, I feel like I always butcher what your specialty is. I know you help people. I know you help people grow. Yeah, I actually am. I run a mastermind community as well. My my mission and my passion in, in business and life is to create a space where nobody has to grow their business alone. So whether that's through one-on-one support or through community support, both, that's kind of my mission right now. So growth strategy, mastermind communities. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Cool. Relationship different girl strategy sessions. So normally what I do is I show up here with like one to three bullet points of stuff to discuss. I drop it and then we, you know, talk about, you know, talk about what you think of it or answer any other questions. I would love to start today, Robin, since you're in the house. So Robin has an awesome podcast called Forged by Trust. He had me on it, published the episode last week. And Robin, when we were, when we were reconnecting about it, you said something that was really, really interesting to me that I hadn't really put it all together. And it's the idea that we talked a lot about building a network and how you connect with people. And you told me that what you really took from that podcast was so many people focus on the ask, but it's really focusing on the give that gets you in the door with people and that builds rapport with people and builds a network. And once you started getting me on that, it connected to the idea that I've been like, I've been obsessed with this offer creation as like a tentpole for business success, right? Like the way that you strategize an offer and the way that you think about it and and what you have to, you know, the way that you formulate quick wins in the front and pricing structure in the front when they're most excited to long-term wins in the back with lesser price and ongoing revenue can really make a huge impact on the way that you structure your business, on the way that you can grow your business and acquire clients. And I had never made those connections, but it seems like a very universal thing. This idea that focusing on the give, particularly for people like me, I don't really self-identify as a salesperson. I identify as a networker, somebody that likes to build relationships. I identify as a connector. So as I struggle through the sales process, because I struggle with my asks, what's led to success for me is to really, really obsess on the give, on the offer itself. And that has allowed me to grow my business like 40% this year from last year, the moment that we switched that around, right? Our offer used to only be 8,500 bucks a month. We produce this live talk show for you. You got to hire us for a year. Huge, huge, huge ask for, for an offer that has a ton of value, is proven to work, but really hard to pallet, right? So what we've done is change that around. We had this aha moment with a friend of the show, also a good friend of mine, Brett Ruiz, when we realized that if we are to, the core capabilities around our company that we have built is the ability to take long form content and make it all sorts of like really useful stuff, right? So what we started doing is taking advantage of that operational capacity, right? We've got great people like Joanna and Rowan that can distribute the content. We got great folks like JP that are able to like edit it based on minimal directions and make it really look good. So we changed our offer to instead of an onboarding kind of like month, we go in there and we interview you know, up to like four leaders inside of a company. 
and up to 12 clients of, of the company that we're going to do work for. And we're trying to figure out the things that we needed to figure out in the launch. We're figuring it out by interviewing them in a recorded interview, creating this like experience for them, right? So like we're really hitting on the unique selling proposition of the company itself and the different points in the client journey, right? So it's like what makes, and we're hitting at it from the standpoint of the client, right? So it's not like, why are you awesome? It's why do you think you're awesome and why would a client care? And then, you know, and we can normally suss out like four to five things of those, right? People, processes, technology, different unique things of how they think, right? Like I was working on my business plan this, this weekend. And one of the things that I think makes us awesome is that we are always focused on the relationship as the atomic unit, right? And like we've evangelized this whole thing. So we attract people like that, but things of that sort, right? And how does that, how does that make sense? And then who is your client when they have a problem that they haven't identified has a solution? What advice do you have to give them? Who is your client once they realize that it has a solution and they start looking for them? What advice do you have to give them? Who are they once they realize the solution is someone like you? What advice do you have to give them? Who do you have when you're evaluating them all the way through hiring, working with, and post-success? Michelle, see you tomorrow on the onboarding. And and that by itself creates, number one, a an experience that you give the client. It creates efficiencies around this onboarding process that used to be for kick me in the teeth meetings to try to like figure out who you are because we're creating all this content that on the back end we're going to repurpose and you can make these like hey top five pieces of advice from someone like you to about us sections on your web page to you know like what makes us special and why you want to work with us videos and then that informs the show right like so now we get in and we are already giving people quick wins that they can insert into their existing marketing and their existing sales enablement processes while coming in with a strategy for the show that is already like 50% cooked, right? Kind of like what we talked about with Jerry, instead of starting from zero, we're starting at, we're starting at 50%. I, I see everybody giggling as Lee giggles. And I'm just, I'm just really jealous that I'm not, that I'm not in on the fun, but it's okay. So so Me neither. I think start, it started with Dawn. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I, bet, I bet it does. We so we start so so we start there at like twelve to fifteen k as a launch, which before we used to be eighty five hundred, but now this thing has way more value. And then we charge five thousand bucks a month on the back end to produce the show instead of eighty five hundred the whole time. And now they've gotten the quick wins on the front, and they get to like stack for the long term winning thing. It buys us some time. It gives a good experience. And then on the back end, once they're, you know, we fully expect that some people like Jerry will be able to like take what we're doing, build it in-house. We've developed other smaller offers like just guest outreach or just repurposing or just, you know, like stuff like that, that we can charge long-term because we focused on the give instead of the ask. So I just wanted to drop that speaking point. I would like to, any does anybody, anybody have any ideas when I say that stuff, have you ever like reformatted your offer? Are you having problems with like what you're offering right now and people just being really, really slow to get it or to have success? Do you have high churn rate? Can and does is anybody experiencing that and maybe wants to apply that to how do we do it for you? So at I first it start, I thought it was an ask at first. Did you have an ask for I thought you had an ask for me? <laughs> I was just referencing our conversation. Oh, okay. Um, but but we yeah, my ask for you is do you have this issue? <laughs> <laughs> so what I heard you saying was kind of getting it 
simpler for my smaller brain was when you stop focusing on the what and the how of how you're going to make a profit and you focus more on your why and congruence between your personal why of being of service and your other natural skill set for your talent for networking and how I can use that for the why of my client, a pain point, that's when you have congruence. And that's when your passion came about. It was like, I was focused on what you are passionate and love to do. And when you focus on bringing that value, because the best value you're always going to bring is when you're doing what you love to do. And, and that's what we talked about on our show. You're, you, what you love to do is being of service. And one of the ways that you're of service is networking people together to solve their problems. That is a natural thing that you do. You're passionate about it. You've been doing it your entire life. You witness it from your parents. I mean, this is what you do. And, and I've seen this in my own business too. When you start focusing on the what and the how and the numbers too early, without really locking in on the value you're bringing, you start getting side, you start doing the meandering and it's not really going anywhere. So I think that's what I heard you saying is that you really focus finally, not finally, but you really were able to focus on that. A good congruence between your why, pain points and the why of the client and the natural skill sets and talent you have. And as you understood that core now we can start plugging in the what's and the how's along the way. Pricing, skill sets, you know, how you start building that out. It's and the same thing with me, you know, with my podcast, my business, and everything I've been doing was the I love Mondays. Monday's release day. Monday's the live, you know, and I, I do it a little bit differently. I do a live premiere on YouTube. So it's a live chat, but it's with the edited content of the, of my podcast. Cause I, I like doing the editing and that way it, it's a, it's a chat that we go live on. And I love premiere day because it's a day that I have great content. That's going to benefit my community that loves the content. And it, it's the most rewarding day of the week. And every day is look forward to it. I get excited about it. So when you never dread what you're about to do and the work you're about to do to bring that forward. That's when you know you're locked onto your why and the value. And now we just have to make sure that, and the community now you're going to serve is going to naturally gravitate towards the pain points that you're solving for them. So anyway, then that's what you're doing. And so that's what I heard all you doing. Now the next step is how do we monetize that? <laughs> but yeah. it, it works. And, and, and I'm sorry, one more thing that you and I talked about Pablo, I thought was really good when and we shared this, I thought it was good for everyone was the original reason I thought the podcast would be a great thing to do. One, as I said during our show and before, and Dawn knows this too, you know, I was dragged into a kind of kicking and screaming. I really didn't think I wanted to do it because it's a lot of bandwidth, a lot of work, but found I loved it a lot was you target the people that you want to have hot, that you want to hire you. You know, like, and I thought I wanted these great CEOs to hire me so I can make lots of money by the CEO. And then remember, that's not the why, that's the what and the how. And what I found was I'm not nearly as interested in those people. And this goes to your guest selection as I am to people like Pablo, Don. I'm sorry, I don't know as many as y'all here, you know, but these are the people that I that I am so naturally gravitated to because they're into behavior, they're under, understanding people, they're under they're into bringing service and value to others. And so that's who I want plus my background as a behavior guy, spy guy, interrogation people. That's who I have on my show. And what I have, what was happening was my wife asked me, so I thought you're going to be having these CEOs on board to hire you. And I'm like, eh, 
But what happened was I'm not getting hired by these CEOs to be keynote speakers for them. I'm partnering with people that are of like mind. And so this is very much networking. This is very much collaborating and forming a business model with people I'm partnering with in a much different way, but still through the tool of the podcast, which is the greatest, greatest thing I've ever discovered in my entire life. So I thank Pablo for it. So I monologued way too long. Thank you. Any no, that was great. That, that, that was great. Listen, you, you, you brought, you brought focus back. Like, I feel like I rambled on a little bit, right. But, but what you're, what you're saying, A, is at the end there, you don't have to use this to be transactional and bring on people that you want to hire you. You can use this to build an ecosystem of distribution as well, right? Which is which is very relationship driven, which is the the strategy that you're taking. The other thing to add more context to what I said earlier, yes, in our in our in our show together, and Roanne's digging it up so she can share it with everybody here. In our show together, it was kind of like my trajectory of my career of figuring out like I'm a connector. I don't want to charge people for introductions. I didn't want to host a mastermind at that time. I didn't, there were like different things that I didn't really, really want to do. And I had to figure out how to put my skill set of being able to like make people look good in front of other people to work. And I created this like show production company where I make shows for people and teach them how to do it and, and whatnot. Right. Like I was just informing you that my, the next iteration of that keying in on that same principle, keying in on what brings the most value first that feels the most genuine and it's less of an ask and more of a give mm-hmm. is 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 that strategy has evolved to create a much better offering which has allowed me to do the thing that I'm not that great at which is selling the actual thing right like the ask itself so it's been that same the same breadcrumb same methodology that has gotten me there and that's why the whole like Alex Ormosi book of $100 million offers and the way that he talks about offers as a way to drive business, I think resonates so well with me because it's based on that first principle of what you're talking about of like, as long as you're in line with what you're giving and what you're doing and you're offering value, you're more likely to come across in a way that makes people want to actually do it with you. Yeah. Because it's transparent. It's honest because then it comes down to the most important thing is remember they're not they're buying your product that they can get from a lot of other places. Although your product is pretty unique, but they're, they're buying you, you know, and this goes to that personal brand. And the best way to have that great personal brand is lots of congruence between everything you're doing in life, personally, professionally. It's, it's in other words, and, and you and Dawn know me really well. There is no different Robin anywhere. You know, whether I'm on the show, whether it, anywhere I am in here in my house, it's it's the same everywhere, which people trust because it's transparent, it's congruent. And the most important thing ever, when when you're doing these things for others, you're making people feel safe. That is the most important thing to do and safe from their point of view and their perspective. And when you're bringing that, that mentality with product and service that solves that pain point, bingo. Then you can ask whatever price point you think is resonating, you know, and and again, that's not to me that that becomes easier because hell, if you, I just like doing it. (laughs) So I, I I think it becomes easier. I kind of on my end from a community perspective, who's talking, we have this thing. (laughs) I'll, I'll avoid the academics of it. Sorry, Don. (laughs) Don is just like, no. There's this concept of, are you being the bear or the flower? If your community is a beehive and the bees need to make 
honey. They need more bees to go collect more nectar. You can be on both sides of that equation, right? So on one end, you can be the flower. You can provide the nectar. And in that case, you are just in one spot and you're like, hey, I'm over here. I'm a resource. If you find me helpful, then you will come back over and over and over again and I have more nectar. And on that end, that's the value. But you also have to figure out what kind of flower are you? Where are you? And it's that kind of thing where it's just like, all right, let's talk about life design. I want my business to work exactly for me whenever I want. And this is the flower that I want to provide, the value I want to provide. And then they come to you, they collect the nectar, go into this beehive. And then at some point, being the bear has to happen. It's not a bad thing. It's just the point at which you start to ask, all right, you've used the nectar, you've made the honey, there's a lot of you now, now it's time for me to harvest the honey. And every time they make a step forward and they're like, hey, we want more nectar, you say, no, hold on now, I need to harvest the honey. Are you okay with that? Would you like to step a little bit closer for me? And I kind of feel like knowing when to be the bear and when to be the flower is just that contention that every business owner is really going to suffer when it comes to community. And the easiest, most organic way to solve that problem is to literally ask the community, hey, is it time that we harvest that honey yet? Let that sink in, man. I love listening to you talk, Benia. That was awesome. That was cool. Knowing when to be the bear and when to be the honey. I love that. I base everything on on the emotion of resentment. And as long as no one builds resentment, we're good and healthy. I, I, healthy relationships are the most number one thing always to me. And when you're building, like my, I have a community that follows me and, and tunes in every week for the podcast show. And they, right now, anyone can have any ask they want. If someone needs some time, I'll give them some time because I won't build any resentment. Now, if I start having someone that is a nothing but a taker and doesn't say, Robin, I just read this to 50 of my closest friends today to watch this episode. It's the best episode I've ever seen. Well, that's reciprocal. You know, so I, I I'm always looking for is is a healthy exchange of time and resources for each other where people are willingly being a service for each other. And as long as that maintains a healthy balance, however, that reciprocity comes in, it's good to go. You know, Pablo is is a great example. Him and I go back and forth on a lot, supporting each other on a lot of projects. You know, we're hoping to monetize one day, maybe on on something. If not, it doesn't still doesn't matter because it's been such reciprocation. You know, Dawn and I have had great in-depth conversations as well. You know, who knows if it'll go someplace there too, but and same thing with a lot of people. Like I'll have some people reach. Now, here's the difference. I have some people in my community that reach out on LinkedIn and they followed me for a while. I've seen them repost my content and they say, Robin, you know, I'm looking for some guidance. You have like 30 minutes or an hour to spend with me today. Now that's a coaching fee. But if I've seen you've been an active member that has really been promoting my content and you have a quick ask because you're struggling with something in life, that's not a time that I see as being a bear. That's just me. All right. It's time to keep giving. Now, if I get, as we all get these relentless LinkedIn people that are sending me these, you know, unbridled solicitations, I had one today that got really sneaky again that said, hey, Robin, I saw this, you know, great content, you know, what a great show you did today. Fantastic. You know, I'm looking just for following, you know, so they 
connected on LinkedIn. And then I said, Hey, you know, they did some one other val- really validating statement. It seemed like a really good personal thing. Oh, they said, Oh, they said, Hey, I'm really interested in your coaching services and, and, and training stuff. And I was like, sure, here's a link to my calendar. I'd be happy to have a 30 minute call with you just so I can discuss it with you in more depth. And then she, then the next text I get back was, Hey, did you ever think about selling your products on and services online by having a coaching by having online training? I said, and it really get, it gets annoying because one, it was so disingenuine because if you had actually followed the link to my website, you would have seen all my online training. I already have. <laughs> and I literally said that in a play way. I said, listen, I said, thank you. I already have this training on my website. And then she doubled down on, well, you did you think about bringing it to more global? And I'm like, oh my God. You know, so that that's the easy ones. Like, hey, if you want some time. Yeah, yeah I saw what you said, Dawn. <laughs> Meld it. <laughs> I, but see, but you can't say that though, because if your brand is, I'm open, I'm accommodated, I'm trusting, you know, then it's just coming up with that one phrase like, no, thank you. And as Jerry said, you know, you make a lot of money by learning when to say no, but geez. So I'm sorry, it's a long answer to I kind of do what Pablo does. It, it's, a long, <laughs> it's a long answer to say, you know, I, I, I gauge it off of that emotion of if I don't, if it feels healthy and it's a healthy exchange, and I think it, it's time that we, you know, that we re- remunerate in a different way because of time and resources, then I can also, su- one way I do it, I also offer suggestions on way that I'm looking to be compensated. Hey, we can, re- you know, if you have a, a course, I'd be willing to take you think of benefit, you know, you can get this out to a hundred thousand people. That's fine. Or, you know, if you want to spend my you know, money on time. So a lot of times it re- kind of depends on the relationship, but definitely see where you're coming from. To kind of add on to that, just super, super fast side note, one of the easiest ways I've found to curb and identify those individuals who are like, hey, let's have like this super transparent comment. And then once you comment on it, they're like, okay, follow up with an ad. Because usually if that, that if that is their intent, then they are trying to do the transparent comment as an automated feature as well. So mm-hmm. if you put an emoji in the title of your LinkedIn, you'll see that I have one. And it, it's just sparkles, right? If you put that emoji in there and they're using a auto system or a system at scale, it will also copy the emoji because it doesn't know the difference. So you can immediately notify them and tag them and be like, okay, nope, they just used an auto tagger in order to start this quote unquote authentic discussion. Well, I know where good. this is going. That's good. There you go. There you go. The emoji trick. I like that. One of my favorite LinkedIn tips. Yeah, I always wonder why people did that. I thought that, yeah, I'm going to do it too. I thought I thought that would be like harmful for you because then you don't show up in actual, yeah, but it's most likely, yeah, that's a great trick. All right, I wanted to, um, you know, Tim reached out to me via email this weekend, was like, hey man, you have some time to pick your break because I want to do this thing. And I'm like, dude, this week is nuts for me. But if you can come on to the Relationship Driven Growth Show, you know, like strategy sessions, we could totally work this out. So man, I really appreciate you making this time, being around for like an hour and a half to like do this. And I really wanted to get to it, man. So I would love to, why don't you, why don't you just kind of like give everybody context of what you're trying to work on and let's, let's get it popping, man. Sure. Absolutely. So first, Pablo, thanks so much. This is actually even better. I would, I would love to have a one-on-one with you, but this is even better because, you know, also just gets me into the, the, the habit also about to start the boot camp and excited about that. So, so quick, quick context, working with a client that, that I have been doing some advisory on. A lot of times I, I end up as I'm, as I'm working on building the initial systems for, for what will be my, my business is I do community and I do partnerships for early stage tech companies. Often that's 
pre-seed or seed funded companies, often that's before product market fit, before a paid customer. And so what I have found is it's really easy to get, you know, sort of a high upfront fee, you know, for the hours that I'm putting in, but then it's difficult to get the renewals, you know, at a at a similar at a similar value or 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 get into get into some sort of regular longer term cadence. And I have a client now, which is a wonderful opportunity and you know for for some future business. But at the same time, we're in the middle of that sort of sort of working out the next phase of our our relationship. And one of the things that I want to do for them is we we've got to figure out the way to incept a community, right? And we've got to figure out the the content creation on, you know, on some some pretty lean, you know, resource wise. And what I've been looking to do is, you know, say upon upon the next fundraise, right? Upon the closing of the next round, when we have some cash in the bank, what are we going to do for producing the show? And which is why I went to Pablo the other day and I said, hey, I know you do this as a managed service, right? Where you'll do you know, everything, you know, everything for the client. What can we talk about that? And, you know, Pablo, at some point when you're less busy, I still want you to give me the pitch on the managed service because I want to have that in my back pocket so that whether it's this client or whether it's someone else, you know, I can say, hey, I know there's this technique and and let's partner Pablo and then you come in and you, you do that production, you know, for them. And And so the thought is helping to talk to, you know, a busy founder CEO who's probably, you know, who's wearing many of the hats you know, himself and, and also doing the fundraising to say, Hey, I want to get you, I want to get you onto a show where it's you and you're moderating, you're hosting, and you're taking the the thought leaders, you know, with whom we're going to be building this new community with whom we're going to be building this new ecosystem and get them into the cadence of something, you know, something like this and, and build our audience using this formula, Pablo, that you've, you've created. So the, the thought is, is, was really specifically around how to broach that, how to introduce that. The timing is kind of everything. It's probably something I won't bring up until the closing of the next round. Mm-hmm. So that was a kind of a lot, you know, you know, throwing it out there because for me, as I'm just about to learn how to do, I haven't even done this for myself yet. Right. Yeah. I can't say I've got this fully optimized, you know, client, here's the fee. I'm going to do it for you. That's, that's unproven. Right. But what I can do is I can say, hey, here's the guy who does it. Here's the guy who has it dialed in. You know, let's work together. Cool. My head immediately goes to first trying to find out what is what is the problem that this software solves for and how, you know, how closely tied are you to that problem and or this founder, right? Like how long-term is this relationship not how long term, but how strategic is this relationship to you? I think it's fairly. So I'm not close to the the problem from a software, from like an expertise. I think I am from a from an industry community sort of my existing network. Some of the things that I've done throughout my career are very much aligned. Yeah, and we are, you know, we're having conversations about what long term looks like, right? So I think it is it is fairly strategic, but I'm not like technically close to the solution. I'm more like relationally close to the solution and have the ability to build this, you know, to build this ecosystem. And now I'm trying to think about how are what's the roadmap for how we are going to do content creation and yeah. audience building. I asked that. I asked that because, you know, so 
I don't know if I don't know if you've been on a call with Lee before, right? But Lee is Lee is the what we call the MVP of the Natural Average Investor community, right? And that was the first, that's the first one of these that I built in this form. And what I did with them essentially was be the host of their show, right? Like be like be the be the person that stands up the platform for them with their co-founder as the person that, you know, I'm the play-by-play guy. Greg is the color commentator. And essentially what that's allowed me to do is to prove this system, build a company off the back end, build a personal brand, become a real estate expert, create amazing friends like Lee and Jen and a whole bunch of stuff, right? So like where I'm where I'm where I'm where I'm going with it is the idea that if you are, you know, you're like taking the boot camp, you're going to learn the whole thing. If if you were looking for an attractive way to get somebody to like buy in on this thing, it may behoove you to say, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna set this thing up. You're gonna be the color commentator, right? Like, and and you make it so that you create this ecosystem for them. You're the face of it. This thing completely proves out when I and 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 all the tangible benefits that you're gonna receive if this is like if this is an ecosystem that could serve you, like they could essentially be right the sponsor of the show, right? Like, yeah. and, that's, and that sponsorship might be, you know, you, they might be your only sponsor and it might not be for any money right now, but it's for money in the future. But it gives you, it gives you the excuse to like start to build this thing and like have the clout of a company behind it versus just you or have the resources of a company behind it once it happens. And it could be a really good like symbiosis that you can create in order, in order to do it. That's, that's, that's the first place my head goes as far as like, instead of convincing him to be the host and to commit the the time, even if I'm sort of doing the, the account management around it. And then we've got someone like you in the background doing the production, you know, even, even then that's a lot, I figure that's a lot of commitment to say, you know, Hey, take, you know, every Monday in the afternoon when, you know, he's between two continents and he's kind of running two companies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that just, that seemed to be a pretty heavy lift. And I wasn't necessarily yeah. thinking because this is a, a field where, you know, it's, it's, it's very technical and it's, it's also, we're, we're dealing with some, some high end, you know, sort of, sort of brands and established firms and industry. I feel like my learning curve is like this, you know, learn, learning that industry. And I, I mean, I guess I have made a career out of being the guy who's not afraid to ask, ask the dumb questions. But and I end up, I end up, you know, I am always the noob in the room. Listen, man, that is the the noble fool, right? Like the kid in the Empire wears no clothes is a very valuable archetype in any business ecosystem, right? Like, and and it's it's one to one how we started with JWB. I knew a little bit about real estate in the sense that I came from the construction world. But I was not a real estate investor. Lee's, Lee's nodding his head because I didn't know jack shit about investing, the numbers, you know, like the profit centers, like whatever all had to go into it. But that person that asked the questions from the beginner's mindset actually has a lot of value to the client because the client is often thinking that and doesn't want to ask the question because they're embarrassed. If you fully lean into that, your role there is insanely valuable. The caveat being that like, you're not that two years later. Two years later, you're going to be as seen on TV as an expert. But but it really helps to build the like core part of the community, right? So like two things. One is that is super valuable. Two is I don't know if 
you know, throughout the journey, now we have this thing linked and we can really service this as, as, as a, as a product for businesses without me in it. But man, you know, like, I don't know if, I don't know if Greg would have still had me on the payroll, had it not been the fact that like, I just handled all of it. Right. Like if he doesn't show up, I can carry a show. I can do the outreach for it. Right. Like my personal brand has skyrocketed yeah. because of it. I I'm speaking at conference. You saw me at CMX because I'm telling yeah. the freaking story of no, JWB. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm here right now because I if I didn't go to that session, I wouldn't be in this room right now. I wouldn't be in your boot camp because yeah. I saw the session. Yeah, you know, and we talked several times through the conference, and yeah. you you were at the conference because of the brand you built. You know, through from, them. Yeah, thanks that. to and them. That is helpful. I mean, I've been just incredibly intimidated by the the field and the kind of the caliber of people that this client is working with, you know, and it, it's kind of, it's kind of scary, I think, to, to be the guy who puts himself there and asks the, ask those particular dumb questions to, to that very specific audience. But at the same time, if, you know, if the client isn't present on that day, I can carry the show. Correct. Um, and I, I, I just know it already that that's going to happen. And that's it's probably going to be half the time if that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, how, or listen, you don't have to do it weekly, right? Like you can do it every other, every other week or once a month or whatever sure. you can, you can also host, right? Like there is a, there is a, you can like the, the ones that are like strict relationships that he wants to build. He can just stack them on a day that he's available have those have those conversations and then publish the podcast on a rhythm. Yeah, but you have really have to be live. Correct. Not not everything to has to be live. Is what I'm saying. You're going right. to learn that in the boot camp too. That's that's a new iteration of of how we do stuff, right? Oof, that was a golden nugget right there. I'm going to have my team clip that and paste that across all my social media channels. So if you could just give this a pause right now go into the show notes and connect with me on whatever platform you like to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever you want to be a part of my life in connect with me there. I'm going to share that clip and you can share it with your friends so that they get the same lesson. It'll be adding value to their life. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the show. If you haven't already hit five star review, right? You don't have to leave a review. You just got to hit five stars. If you want to leave a review, cool. And maybe send the episode to your friend. That would be awesome. That's it. I'm done. Back to the show. Yeah. yeah. And then super, super quick before we move on, I guess I, I'm wondering if there's a thought about us doing a, a cadence of, you know, every month having sort of a salon, you know, forum type thing in, mm-hmm. in our studio space in, in San Francisco. And I just brought up on a call this morning, you know, hey, why don't we weave some element of of recording and broadcasting that for for an audience that 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 cannot be there, right? And so do you have, and maybe this is just in the boot camp, the the sort of framework for recording a session that people are attending in person, kind of like at a conference, right? And then that is processed and put up on on YouTube or wherever later. Is that a part of your framework as well? Do you have kind of best practices on live audience recording? I can't say I have best practices on live audience recording, but I can tell you this. One, the repurposing process is huge. You can use it for everything, right? Like the repurposing process that you're going to learn is amazing. And we've used it for live audience recording. The, The thing that I have figured out is that if you structure the conversation a certain way, it makes for that live audience recording to be much easier to be able to then post-produce. And number three, this is something I was just working on today. My buddy, Mike Ham has started doing like 
a live show podcast that he records. And I'm going to have him come on as like a, a guest lecturer surprise at some point in the boot camp to give his whole framework on that. Right. So that's going to be a, a bonus surprise and delight that I hadn't really wasn't ready to reveal. But since you're here now, you know, it. don't tell anybody you neither uh, Venya or Penny or Carolyn, but, uh, but yeah, anyways, but I, I wanted to get to Venya. Seems like she's got some advice for you before we move on to anything else. Uh, Venya, what, what were you going to say there? I think one of the other more important things is for chaos, we ran into this problem because Georg and I are the two most commonly provided panelists because we're the ones who are usually out at the conferences, doing the talks, finding the people to put onto the podcast. And we realized that there was a problem with our scaling because the podcast is now two years old and it's been going on an every two week scale. And we did a quick share of voice. It started as just a DEI project for what is the share of voice per panelist and per community member, right? One of the big issues that we discovered was that Georg and I kept recommending podcast recipients at a significantly higher rate and scale than other community panelists. So we decided, you know what, we can schedule all of the things and we can do introductions to the community ahead of our conversations. And then we just don't need to be there to host or panel the podcast. And now we have five different host presenters who now have shared ownership over the podcast and already included some community engagement and involvement. So we can spend most of our time splintering the content instead of being at the front end. And now we have five hosts contributing a much stronger share of voice across all five of those hosts. And we are, are now out to June of next year on content which is exactly where we want to be for us to switch to weekly, which knocks us back to January. But we've now successfully covered that giant canyon of content by saying we're a bi-weekly podcast into a weekly one now. And the reason and the way that we did that was by focusing on the share of voice involved with the podcast, finding those individuals in the podcast that have been listening for a while, do have really great ideas, but don't necessarily have the confidence to do it and just training them to run the podcast on themselves. Awesome. Yeah. I'm just catching up while she was talking. I was catching up to this poltergeist conversation happening in the chat. I don't understand. (laughs) It's going on. Anyways. We got uh, distracted. Yeah. 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 It's cool. Anyways, Tim, I think, I think the, you know, the, the takeaway is there's a lot of ways to skin this thing. I think if you were to, Lee brought up something really important, right? Like focus on the super fans, right? Like one of what, you know, Lee, Lee being the first like super consumer that really bought into the show and everything. And, and, and the amount of like the amount of benefits that he has brought to the whole equation has been insane. And like getting, if you get six Lees, it's over. So, so really it's how can you show up as the noble fool or the novice or the semi-educated guy that can like, you know, add, add the context of like, all right, you're the CEO. You've been thinking about this nonstop. I'm the client. Think about it like me, or I'm the person that's just trying to figure it out. Think about it like me a little bit more, tons of value. As, as you do that, you know, the way that I did that at first, I I wasn't quite as self-deprecating as I am these days, calling myself the noble fool or whatever, but I would just phrase it from the standpoint of the clientele, right? From the customer. If, the, if somebody doesn't know about this stuff, ask that question. And what that does, that starts to resonate with the folks that really want to explain it, like Lee. And then you're able to like, like Venya says, 
create the share of voice that you get other people on the stage and you're also able to promote them. And now you have a bunch of people that are giving that feedback. And nowadays when Greg can't make a show, it doesn't just have to be me. Like I, I can literally, you know, not that long ago, I just called up, you know, I called up like Jen Filson, who's another super fan of the show. And then Lee showed up and we just had like a powwow and it's super, super valuable because now you're just having like a client exchange of what's going on. Right. So if you can, if you can nurture those like six to eight Avengers, now you've really created leverage for the CEO long-term. Yeah. And when you say share a voice, you're, you're meaning just the, the mix of people who are, who are the hosts who kind of have that, that speaking time. Is that. Yeah. So share a voice very simply boils down to the amount of time per person speaking over time. So you set up your I'm going to do it again, your scopes for social science, right? So you have a specific gathering that you're looking to calculate. What is your share of voice within that specific gathering across different identities? So for instance, I'm a host and I'm a veteran in the chaos community. My share of voice should be higher, but it shouldn't be more than 60 to 70%. And then you look at how many episodes I've been in, in Chaos Cast. Georg, because he started Chaos Cast, is in, out of 68 episodes, I think he's in 42. I'm in 23. And then the next person below me, Sean Goggins, is in 10. And then the hosting of that, I have host out of my 23 episodes, I've hosted 19. Sean Goggins, out of his 10 episodes, hosted, um, I think it was six So what I can do is I can plan and run events and then give that event to Sean, introducing the people that are going to be on that podcast to Sean. And by increasing his share of voice, I have now increased his sense of ownership over the podcast. And now Georg and I are allowed to step back. We're allowed to move back. And we have like this mentor-mentee thing going on where as a mentor, I don't need to be at every episode. And Georg and I don't have to scramble when we both can't get it because we now have built into our share of voice diversity metric, a system that tells us who is the next person who should be hosting this upcoming podcast. So as a community scientist, amazing. (laughs) When I said share of voice, I just meant like different perspectives that you're bringing on, man. (laughs) Yeah, you've been, you pulled out the, uh, how many exact numbers for everybody. (laughs) Whoa. Well, yeah. I literally just did that report last week. <laughs> That's super badass. That's super badass. But listen, I think I think the more if you want to keep it simple, the more perspectives you have on the show, the more valuable it is because the more context that you're able to make, right? So I think it I think it helps and lean into it. Don, you got something? Just just trying to figure out moot or mute or whatever you want to call it. I was thinking because I've shifted so much because of all the inner work that I've done over the last since I well, let's just take this latest business that I've got. And my community and the people I'm speaking to and the people I'm working with has shifted so quickly. And it's not that I don't wish to deal with people that I used to want in my community, but I've realized that if I want to get to where I am going, then I keep listening to this whole community thing. And as you know, that I've been building a lot of the back end systems to make sure that once I actually do launch the is it the second or the second series of my podcast? Because we've already launched the first one. 
And you know that my interviews are not just going to be a podcast show. They're actually going to be part of my learning academy and my author activist academy. But there's situations that have occurred recently where people want to work with me because, yes, I'm a 17 book international bestseller and, you know, and all that jazz and all the bullshit. PhD, titles. Oscar, PhD candidate, yeah, people bang on about my PhD candidacy. But the thing is, every time you write a book, you let go of an old version of yourself that is no longer if you write in proper books. I mean, anyone can bang out a, a 20,000 word ebook and you know, and do all that jazz. I mean, that's just lunchtime writing. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm playing. But I just, I'm at that point where it's like, I really want to get this right. Okay, overachiever syndrome. But it's, I've just taken on a, a team where they're going to be filling in all the gaps and making sure that everything that I've been building this last year in the back end system, like the the learning courses, like Robin was saying, <laughs> like, oh, oh, have you ever thought about writing a course? Yes, go to my author academy. So they're actually now going to be putting all the links and everything in all the landing pages, doing all the funnels and everything. So that once we actually launch the podcast the second series and I've recorded the third series, my microphone is on its way. It's like, I don't know, this whole who do I want in my community? Because I'm so done with all the vanilla BS that's out there and the shallowness of people that only want to know Dawn, the international bestseller who's sailing around the world writing books rather than Dawn. And we discussed this at the end of the last, I mean, I hate funnels. I absolutely cannot stand funnels. They do my head in. That's not my bag. I write books. I coach people. Someone else can do all the funnels. It's not my business. But I just... I find it so hard to trust people in the world of business because unless you're paying them or unless they're feeding off you or you're making them look good or they're picking your brains, as Jerry was saying, it just really like, I don't know, am I too nice to be in business, do you think? Like, how how do you build a community when you're dealing with human rights and trauma and you want to get to the grips of the, the real issues instead of writing all this vanilla crap that's out there? And obviously, you've seen that I am very outspoken, as Robin mentioned, Sledgehammer. Mine, I, I don't know. I am just I am just in that space right now where I'm just like, take me away from social media. Let me just have my very small inner circle. I'll do my podcast. I'll record them with who I like, and then I'll put them out. And it's getting my head into this live show business. I love, I mean, obviously, there are those of you here that know I love you dearly. But yeah, I'm just fed up with people wanting to connect with me to take my money or think that they can work with me. And I'm just like, no, I want to build a relationship. I'm not interested, Carolyn. No, pro- no offense, darling. But I'm well, not I, was, I was raising my hand to offer some advice about the, the problem. No, I, that- I, I don't I don't want it. No offense. I've no, got she, she, you don't want to funnel, but she has advice on, on your problem of community building. Go ahead, Carolyn. I was I was going to say that I really recommend being extremely authentically yourself forget the vanilla. I know I was responding to your message here where you said you can help with the funnel setup, not the traffic. Oh, yeah. I just, we were, because Vinny and I are like, oh, we do different pieces of this same, like. Oh, sorry. I misread it. But yeah, no, I'm just, it's not, I'm, I had a software development company for 12 years. I'm done with IT. I'm not. I am not going to pitch you a funnel. And I, I actually didn't mean to have my zoom thing up it just was left over from earlier today um 
<laughs> not trying to be advertising definitely not trying to be a bro marketer funnel builder spammy person because i hate those guys and i speak against them constantly but what what you said brought up for me that i kind of made a decision to not try to be the right kind of person you know not to say the right acceptable thing i believe in real authenticity in my marketing and being on social media, being exactly who I am and not making any apologies for that. And I truly believe that that brings the right people to you, mm. that the people that are going to be offended if you're not speaking in this generic and vanilla way. I don't care who I'm offended, to be honest with you. I've been judged by the professionals and they lost. Yeah, don't worry about it. Like just mind and the people who have been longing to hear that who are so sick of the generic stuff are going to be like thank goodness you know it will it will make you magnetic to them i think kind of building on top of that like one of the big issues with who exactly do you fill your community with you have to be very careful and very intentional with how your onboarding system also says no's because a lot of people build these onboarding systems to say, yes, 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 yes. Get in here, get in here. Yes. 100%. And in all reality, the volume is significantly less important for the growth of a community than the quality of the individuals going into that onboarding system. And for that, you have to intentionally build your onboarding system such that it pre-qualifies individuals coming in. It is so exhausting for you to do that on your own and yourself And in a lot of ways, it is way too tempting for you to say, hey, no, let's have this conversation. And then after this conversation, let's bring you in. Because at a certain point in time, your head is going, but hold on, how many people have joined my community this month? It's way too low. I have a quota to meet. I'm going to let them in even though they don't qualify, which causes a problem. If you have the onboarding system setting the qualifiers for you and you pay attention to the negatives just as much as you do the positives you will maintain a good quality community that starts to grow and develop on its own. And that's why when I have a lot of clients who have like a rapidly growing community span, I'm like, okay, we need to look at this onboarding funnel to see if you're actually building a community you want over a community they want. Kira, you got some that? Yeah, I just like to say like one of the things that I deal with extremely difficult topics as well, mostly stuff people want don't want to hear at all. <laughs> so. What has worked for me in the past is I do a visualization, a really strong visualization about what the very clear intentions are. And then I let's see what comes back. And usually what comes back is the right venue and the right audience and the right people. Sometimes it's nothing. Sometimes I'll be inspired to put a video out a certain place or go to a certain event or something. But a lot of times I'll just do the visualization and then something will come to me (laughs) that's that might not be related at all to content that I've put out. So there's incredible power in intention. Sometimes action isn't required, but if you're putting it out, there has to be a way to deliver it in a way that's satisfying. All right. Don, any of that help? It didn't, it didn't. I mean, again, like I was just saying that a lot of people, they, and this is where I got burnt several years ago, thinking that 
my advice was the you know and then I realized that when I go back to my teacher days and we discovered what the children already knew before we started teaching them that's a very valuable lesson that a lot of business people don't follow they like to give their advice without finding out what the people actually know and what they're doing and what they've done before they give the advice and I I just find that I don't know. I know I giggle a lot, but it's like I've always said, never underestimate a woman who giggles a lot because, you know, there's a lot going on behind the the giggle. And also when people espouse that they want to empower women, it's like one of my clients, Annie, she has set up her own publishing business after working with me. Now, a lot of people, a lot of women espouse female empowerment. But then when something like this happens, they get they get intimidated and they get the knickers in a twist. Whereas me, I'm champion, Annie. I'm like, bloody good on you. You've really taken the coach and you've run with it. You've de- developed something that you want to do. We're never going to be competitors because we're both very different. But again, I don't know. It's just my community evolves so quickly because of the fact that my own evolution is evolving. And the difference between operating in the 5D and the 3D world is also very different. And I find that a lot of people that operate in the 3D world just, I don't know, just I just tend to glaze over. I find a lot of people very boring and I don't mean to be rude, but it's like I like stimulating conversations that go somewhere that go very deep, which is why I guess Venia and I have like really connected so quickly because it's like, let's go and drink tea with Alice and the Caterpillar. And there aren't that many people that want to do that. I don't know. I just, I just, I you, you know the space I'm in. Huh? Yeah. I, listen, Don, we, listen, I, I empathize with the place that you've been in and how vulnerable you've, you've been with all of us throughout, you know, the weeks and, and, and the tightness of the community here. I also hope that you, you know, see that everybody that's here sees you in pain and wants to help and everybody's coming from a good place. And, you know, like uh, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to help something so difficult in an open forum like this, but, you know, we're here to hold space for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Again, like you said, like Jerry was saying, you've sometimes, and uh, Tim was just saying, sometimes you have to answer the, ask the questions and share that. And -hmm. that's the thing when you write books in the realm of human rights and social justice, your conversations aren't vanilla. Yep. I got you. Honestly, remind me when we have our talk about tea, I think it would be a good idea to introduce you to Jen Junod. Are you familiar with her? So she actually runs a podcast in addition to her uh, Twitch streams that she does called Shit to Talk About, where she brings on a specialist uh, in some form of intersectional path to neurodiversity in order to have these discussions. And she's like built like this incredible following of a community of people specifically around um, neurodiversity and intersectional health. Um, I think she would be a really great person for you to uh, talk to because, like, she's built a lot of that social presence. Cool. My ibuprofen's wearing off. <laughs> I'm not feeling great. Um, but I, I just want to say, really appreciate you all being here for this, um, this whole call, right? Like, I, like I, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm always just like Jerry said, like, super humbled that such a group of intelligent wonderful people spend this much time on a zoom call with me on a, on a weekly basis the time that you make for this i don't take for granted so i appreciate you all being here um so much and the fact that you all connect with each other and help each other out and you know i, I encourage this conversation to 
to keep going on DMs and whatnot. And I, I just really, really, uh, Tim, you know, coming here to make time instead of being able to get on my calendar, being empathetic towards that, I really appreciate it. Carolyn showing up for the first time and giving out advice and doing the best you can, I think is really, really awesome. I appreciate you too. Kira, you know, like I, I love every time you show up too. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm just really, and of course, Leah and Don and Ben, you know, y'all come here so often. It's, it's amazing, right? Like, um, so just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I hope, um, I hope everybody continues to show up and I'm always going to be here and, and we'll, 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 we'll keep trying to help each other out. So I hope you have an awesome, awesome week. That's it. That's what a strategy session is all about. I uh, hope you join us at the next one. If you got a question or something you want to share with us and uh, maybe I can give you some good advice and the community can give you some good advice and I uh, hope to see you on the show. So check out where to register at tinyurl.com slash b2bcb season five much easier is just go to the show notes and uh sign up and i uh, hope to see you at the next one have a great one don't forget relationships will always beat transactions